Welcome to Inside Photo Organizing from DIY to Pro with Allison Friedman from Arrange Wander Focus of Chicago, Illinois. And I am Susan Wallach from Save a Memory of Northern Colorado. Together, we will provide photo organizing tips and tricks for everyone from the person who wants to do it yourself to other pros in our industry. We'll discuss current software and hardware news about photo and digital asset management. We will be answering your questions, and we hope that as you learn more, you can complete your own photo organizing project and feel more confident to finally know, hey, I can find that special photo that I've been looking for. In today's episode, Allison and I will discuss Google's latest change in their account policy regarding inactive accounts. We'll answer some listener questions, and we'll also discuss the upcoming launch of Save Your Photos Month, which is happening in September, and we'll interview our latest guest, Marcy Brennan. So let's get started. Hey, Allison. It's episode three. Hi, Susan. So excited to be here. Well, we're getting great feedback on episode two. So I think we're on a good momentum here. Uh, We have a great guest today, which we'll introduce to you all shortly. And uh, so um, how's, uh, how's Maine? It is good. You have caught me on vacation out in the middle of Maine with my family. And in fact, today I'm not only in Maine, I'm in the middle of a monsoon in Maine. I've never seen so much rain. So if I don't sound quite as good as I did last week, if you thought I sounded good last week, I suppose (laughs) that would be why. (laughs) Because literally it's like the sky has opened up and just water everywhere. Yes, and we're hoping that your internet stays strong through this recording today. So, yeah, that's that's the other uh, challenge that we have as we do our podcasts remotely. All right, so let's get it started. Um, we wanted to bring you a little news um, about... Google email accounts. Some of you may have uh, one or more Google email account. Uh, Google recently announced, you should have gotten an email, that it will begin to delete any personal Gmail accounts that have been inactive for two years starting December of 2023. That's this December. And what that basically means is time to log into those accounts that you may have created and forgotten about. Did you create a Gmail account, maybe just to manage your Google ads for a business? Maybe you created a Gmail account so you could put your spam <laughs> emails in there. Well, whatever the case may be, uh, time to find those emails, log back in. And if you want to keep them, if you don't, you want them to go bye-bye, then you don't have to do anything. But from our point of view, some of those old Gmail accounts may have some photos associated with them and you would find those only by logging into them and then going to your Google Photos app. Allison, anything else to add? Just go and check and see because when I saw that come out and this is I think just in the news this week, it's been it's it's been quite recent. Well, by the time this podcast airs, it will have been in the news for a few weeks, but I actually have several old Gmail accounts. And in one of them, I actually did find some photos. Now, they weren't actually photos that I wanted to keep, but if they were, I would have been pretty bummed when I finally realized that they were gone. So think about if you have any additional Gmail accounts. And if you do, go ahead and log in and see if there's anything in there that you want to keep. Old emails, old uh, photos, anything. And I believe that just the process of logging in should keep that account active. If you want to be absolutely sure, send an email to yourself from that account. And that is enough to keep it active and and Google will not delete whatever's in there. Correct. And we'll provide a link to their Google blog um, about updating um, inactive uh, accounts uh, policies. So what they're doing is they're changing how they handle inactive accounts. All right. So next, we're going to talk about um, a question that we got from one of our listeners, David Loeza from Santa Rosa, California. So he states, hi there. Greetings from sunny Northern California. I heard about your podcast from the Twit Network. Wish you guys the best. So we want to say thanks, David. Anyway, I have two questions and don't have 
and don't have to answer both of them at once. My first one is I use Apple Photos. Sometimes I do quick touch-ups and I'm done. But there's other times I really want to do more with a photo and use Lightroom. Is there any way or plug-in that would let me sync between the two programs? I'd really like to stop exporting and importing every time I edit or make a change to a photo. Allison? So unfortunately, David... I believe the answer is no. I have not seen an app that will play quite like that with Apple Photos, not with Lightroom. There are some other editing apps that you might be able to use like Snapseed and all, but Lightroom, let's just say that I don't think Adobe and Apple play very well together. So I have never been able to find that. I do a lot with Lightroom with my own photos and have always exported. Um, there are other options if you wanted to leave the Apple space. Uh, one other app that does play well with both Lightroom and Photoshop is an app that I use called Milio. And from there, if you wanted to use that, you can suck in all of your Apple photos, update them in real time. And then if you have a photo that you want to do additional Lightroom work with, you can round trip it. So essentially open it in Lightroom, make your edits, and it will go back to Milio. But to keep them just in Apple, I have not found one. And if there is a listener out there that knows of one and would love to like to correct me, Please do, because it's actually something that I've I've had that question before. So one thought came to me. I know when I edit on my uh, iPhone or my iPad, an image in my Apple photo library using another app on my phone, because uh, you can download the Lightroom mobile app, um, that image then gets saved back to my library. So... Uh, that might be uh, a round trip for you. It's a little awkward sometimes to to do a lot of editing on an iPhone. Uh, if you have an iPad or another um, device, that might work better, uh, like uh, a larger iPad display. But that's the only thing that I think of. I'm I'm with Allison. Uh, you would want to uh, select the images that you want to edit and then export the original so that you get the any uh, metadata that you uh, applied to that image and edit that image in the photo editing software of your choice and then import it back to your library. And then that may involve you having to delete the dupes. David, you had a second question. He says, my second question is, is there a way I can view 360 degree photos in Apple Photos? Thank you very much. And again, good luck with this new endeavor and wish you the best. So David, I am not personally uh, aware of any 360 degree photo apps, but I did a quick Google search and we will provide those uh, resources that I came up with uh, on our website. Uh, podcast website, which is insidephotoorganizing.com. There is a resource page where we list anything that we talk about in our shows. So we will list these uh, search results for you and uh, give those a try. Um, I actually wonder to that yeah. point, Susan, I actually wonder if Apple will come out with a way to do 360 photos because they are very popular now. So Apple, if you are listening David from Santa Rosa, California, and Allison Friedman from Range Wander Focus sitting here in Maine would love to see you add 360 photos to your iPhones so that we can use them with the rest of our library. I'm sure they're listening, right, Susan? <laughs> yes, that's how it works. <laughs> Everybody is listening, <laughs> whether we realize it or not, right? All right. Yep. All right, Allison. So for our third podcast and our second opportunity to have a guest, would you like to introduce them today to our audience? I would love to. Today, we are talking with Marcy Brennan from Past Present Picks, who's coming to us from New York. And I always prefer to allow the guests to introduce themselves. So Marcy, welcome to our show. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you both, Susan and Allison, for asking me. Um, so I've been in 
the photography and photography adjacent businesses pretty much since I started working um, after the obligatory stint in the restaurant world where I cooked and waited tables in my 20s, um, which is a great <laughs> job for everybody. Um, teaches you about deadlines like nothing else. Um, and I'm Very still true. a foodie. <laughs> um, I, I started working right after that in um, photo labs and I know I'm dating myself, um, but I was a custom photo printing technician and did mostly darkroom work while I lived in Boston, which is where I met my husband, Chris, um, who's also my business partner. Uh, we moved to New York City in the 1990s, and we've been here ever since, and both of us had photo-related jobs. Um, but I found out about APO, as it was called then, the photo managers, in 2016 while I was looking for something else to do. Um, I was tired of the corporate world, and my friend Pam had emailed me a link to APO, and I took one look at the website, and I knew that was the job for me. So I joined right then and there, and I got my first client within a month. And um, it was amazing. You know, I, I, I come from a long line of entrepreneurial people and I figured, well, maybe that's fake because I hadn't planned on working for myself ever, but I love it and I wouldn't go back. And so when did you get that started? In 2016. Oh, okay. In 2016. So it was called, the photo managers was called APO back then, the Association of Personal Photo Organizers. Yes. Uh, when I joined in 2019, that's what they were called. And then they, uh, morphed into the the photo managers yes yeah for anybody interested in that our guest last month was kathy nelson and she talked a lot about that as well but marcy that's where you and i met is through the photo managers um luckily because it's been so much fun getting to know you and i'm, I'm thrilled you're here can you you worked for a bit with the auto bettman archive can you talk <laughs> about that yeah yeah um the Batman Archive, um, I worked there for almost 20 years, so it's a little bit more than a bit. Um, but but the Batman Archive, um, a little bit of information about that. It was um, bought by Bill Gates and renamed, rechristened um, Corbis Images in 1996 and is now um, part of Getty's Archive. And I had the privilege of working with a collection of over 11 million images of incredible cultural and historical significance. Um, I also got to participate in the rise of the whole photo digitization world, learning all about this new format and terms like JPEG and high res and compression, things I'd never heard of before. Um, and you probably know some of the images that are in the collection, like the guys eating lunch on the beams. Oh, yes. The state building um, um, or Marilyn Monroe with her dress flying up. Um, yes. Um, or the Hindenburg disaster, um, you know, working with these images and the many that are much less well-known was really quite a privilege. And a little bit of history about the Batman Archive. Um, it was founded by Otto Batman. He was a curator of rare books at the Prussian State Art Library in Berlin. And he was dismissed from his position after Hitler took power and forced Jewish people out of civil service jobs. Otto fled Germany for the US in 1935 and virtually invented the image licensing business, which is amazing. Wow. Um, with just two trunks full of old photos. And um, that began his now vast archive that still bears his name. And um, we often talked about Otto when we worked. And one of my favorite quotes of his was, um, instead of visual cliches, I provided a graphic shorthand that illuminates the present by revealing the past. And I think that applies to what we do. Oh, yeah. That's a great quote. Yeah, in a pretty serious way. So um, I learned, while I was there, I learned all about best archiving practices, which is something I do with all my client work. <laughs> I'd never seen like a metal edge archival box before I started working there. And I learned about proper print image storage and organizing and categorizing. And I learned about um, me media that I hadn't encountered in my darkroom days, like magic lantern slides and glass plate negs. Um, most family collections don't contain those items, but many do have old prints like um, cabinet cards and tintypes, um, real photo postcards. I'm, I'm dealing with some of those right now. Um, and the archive also had that in its collection. Um, I started out as a photo researcher when I was first hired, and then I was promoted into sales and licensing, um, where I worked with large and small book publishers and new and well-known authors. And I got to know a lot of our photographers as well. And here's a fun aside you may or may not know. I licensed quite a few photos from a fellow by the name of Peter Bennett. Our wow, fellow. nice. <laughs> our yes. friend, Peter Bennett. 
yeah, a fellow a photo manager. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, I probably made him a good amount of money, I hope. <laughs> and um, I learned all about copyright because his photos were really popular. Um, but I learned all about copyright, um, which is why I'm passionate about protecting photographers' rights as well. So that's it. You must have... Yeah, you must have seen some amazing different types because I've come across a fair number now, but, you know, I've seen the cabinet cards. I love the postcards. Those are some of my favorites when I see those. And I'm hoping that as we go on today, you'll talk a little bit about if if any of our listeners do have some of that older media, how to actually keep it safe that's on our agenda today. Well, if it wasn't, if you weren't planning on talking about it before you are now, because I just brought it up. So you have to, um, but you must have seen some amazing, just, just all sorts of different kinds of formats and things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our colleague, or should, should I say former colleague, Adam Pratt put together a wonderful book called memories, um, which you can get on, I think blurb sells it. And it, he pretty much categorized almost everything I saw at the Batman archive, which was ironic. Um, or maybe not so much, but it was interesting to see like, you know, the stereograph photos. Um, there were some tin types um, and some daguerreotypes, old newspapers. Um, a lot of the photos were from like, you know, old um, news sources. So like AP, INP, PNA, um, and and most of those photos were like old crummy prints with like, like newsprint on the back or just a, a printout of, of from, I, I don't even know, like mimeographs. Like, I don't even know what they used, but. Microfish. Yeah, maybe. Mm. And, and it's just like, like dittos. Do you remember dittos when yes. we were kids? Like that's yeah. what was glued on Car the back. Carbon copy. Yeah. And I was like. Oh, With gosh. the purple ink. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like typewritten <laughs> and, and those would often be falling off. So a lot of that stuff had to be preserved and recreated. Um, I had, so talking about um, dangerous things, um, there was a area, the archive that, it was it was housed in, in a New York City loft in an office building and there was the cold storage room and then there was the offices. And so we would go back and forth between the cold storage room and the offices. And when we were doing some of the research for the negative, like if you had to go pull a negative um, and there were plenty of glass plate negs. There was also a section of um, nitrate negs. And if you've seen, <laughs> if you've seen the movie um, um, Dawson City: Frozen Time, you know how dangerous nitrate negatives or film can be because it will explode. And one of my clients had contacted me with a um, with the possibility of having a nitrate neg, and she was describing it to me, and I was like, "Yeah, I would probably get that out of your house, like ASAP." Um, and she's like, "Well, you know, can you just come over and take a look at it?" So I beelined over, and it turned out, thank goodness, it was just a copy neg, but it was a copy of a nitrate neg. So you don't want those in your house; they're very dangerous. Um, Did you go over there so, in a hazmat suit? I, you know, I just, I didn't even know what to expect. I was so scared actually. Cause she's got two little, had two little girls. They're older now, but. So Marcy, you mentioned uh, a couple of acronyms and I didn't know what those meant. IPA and. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, International Press Association. Um, PNA stood for Pacific and Atlantic. So these were all news organizations. That oh, were okay. In the early. Like uh, the Associated Press. Exactly. Agencies. Yeah, okay. yeah. INP International News Photos. So those were the I know it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to slip back into that shop talk, even after all this time. Yes. So, one of my favorite collections within the Batman Archive, though, was a, a collection of stock photos, which were from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, up to the 60s. And you can still purchase them um, today on various sites. And they're just they're so incredible. There, there are a couple of collections. And they, they're they just really winsome. And they remind me a lot of family photos you see now, you know, these sort of candid shots. I, I don't know if they chose to make them, like the, the posing didn't even look like they were posing. And they're really, really resonant and beautiful. Um, well, and you, you mentioned Adam uh, Pratt's book, Memories, that listed um, uh, in uh, illustrations or with photographs, the different types of negatives and everything. And I, I know I found that to be helpful, uh, especially in trying to identify what they are. 
because when I do my uh, scans, I, I do camera scanning. And yep. so when I scan those uh, different types of media, especially if they're negatives, I try to identify uh, that, that it is a negative or a slide. Um, yes. And those are usually pretty easy. But then I expanded my knowledge when I had a recent uh, client that brought me just these ginormous negatives. And I had to make what's called a um, a glass sandwich to uh, f- frame out just a little hole where the negative would go so it would fit on top of my light box so I could take a uh, an image because the normal 35 millimeter uh, slide or uh, negative holders did not hold these uh, 1940 and 1950 type slides. So it was just fascinating. I just, you know, my knowledge just continues to grow every day in this business. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't realize there are all these different kinds of negatives and things, but I think you handle them in a similar fashion. So, you know, if we have listeners out there that say go into their basement or attic or visit a relative and somebody brings out a box full of old slides and negatives and photographs, things that don't look like the 10 cent, you know, double print you got from Walgreens 20, 30 years ago, how would you tell them to handle that? I mean, can they, they can't just pull it out of the box with their bare hands. So what are some tips you might have for them if they find stuff like that? Well, gloves, obviously, um, are handy. And most of us have nitrate gloves from the pandemic left over or just, you know, go out and buy some. Um, and you you prefer nitrile uh, gloves? Yeah. I have cotton gloves and I have like the polyester ones that don't shed, but nitrate is pretty much what most experts use because they don't shed at all. So that's what I would always use when handling negatives and um, old prints and new prints too. I don't ever touch people's photos with my bare hands. And, and why is that? I mean, we, we've all talked about that before, but people listening might not know. Why shouldn't you touch all of these just with your fingers? Because the oils from our fingers can can help deteriorate the photo and it can leave fingerprints. And when you scan them, you have fingerprints on your photo and then you have to go into Photoshop and it's just, it's, it's, it's not a best practice. Um, it can accelerate deterioration. Um, however, you can use your bare hands and you actually should use your bare hands when you're handling old letters. Really? So, and old documents. Yeah, you don't need to wear gloves for those. Um, the... Other exceptions, people often keep um, newsprint or old newspaper clippings and stuff. And those are problematic because of their high acid content and the acid can migrate to other to prints and photos and stuff. So I always recommend um, making a scan of your newsprint, putting it in an archival enclosure, and then reprinting, if you want a hard copy, reprinting it onto archival paper um, and consider getting rid of the newsprint because typically you can find that online anyway. Um, and newspaper is just too crumbly and it gets, you know, brown and starts deteriorating and it's not very nice to look at either. So I did have a, a client, um, you uh, uh, brought up an interesting memory for me recently. They um, It started out with photo retouching of his grandfather, uh, many images from the the 20s and 30s. He was a a representative Native uh, American model. So whenever they they needed uh, a Native American, he he was in fact Native American. And so uh, he would often be photographed um, and model for different purposes in New York. Um, And so this really, uh, he brought uh, several newspaper clippings that were scanned, but, you know, had the very dark crease in the middle from, mm-hmm. from it being folded or a book. And so some of them were really hard for me to clean up. And I actually just ended up retyping it in, in design oh, wow. um, and putting the image that was there back into InDesign. So it looked like the original newspaper article for them. And they loved that. Um So yeah, just another way to do it so that you again, have a good clean copy because we, I looked and looked for that article online. So sometimes you can't find what you're looking for. So yeah. Um, I do find it fascinating though, Marcy, that you actually 
just advocated perhaps getting rid of the original newspaper articles because I have never heard you say that before (laughs) about any type of original media, right? Because, right? Because you tend to like to save them, correct? Even after they're being, after they're scanned. There are exceptions to every rules and, and, and I don't want to be a a photo hoarder either because that's, that's a problem. Um, So yeah. But why would, do you why do you like keeping the original? So setting newspapers aside. Yes. Um, what is the benefit of keeping the original prints, negative slides, even after they have been digitized? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, but I the primary reason is that they serve as the ultimate backup. And once they're properly archived, and by that I mean like removed from any non-archival albums like sticky albums or those little photo envelopes that the negs sometimes live in, um, you know, they, they don't take up a whole lot of room. Um, and there's always the allure of the original, you know, it's, it's valuable as a work of documentation and as a first generation original um, and camera scanning, which is the um, process we use of originals will almost always improve upon the original, especially if it's an old faded print. But um, keeping keeping the originals will allow you to go back and review and rescan if needed. Um, so that's why I think you should keep them. And also, most of them are really beautiful. Yes. And so to your point, the older, the older, you, you made a, you, so to your point, you made a very good uh, statement about keeping your original prints because technology changes. So let's dial back the clock and go to like 2005. I had a flatbed scanner since 2000s when when you had to connect them to your computer using a SCSI cable, if you remember that technology. Yes. And so the best quality back then is just a tiny fraction of what today's quality can be. Mm-hmm. So when you when you say keep those originals because technology changes, yeah, if you're going to pay somebody today to capture your images, you want them to be captured at the highest quality possible so that you don't have to rescan them. Yeah. But then we have no idea, even being as technically inclined as many of us are, to what's going to happen in the future. I mean, Apple just came out with this virtual headset that you might be able to interact with your photos and library uh, collection, um, you know, through this headset. And if those are not high quality images, this is not going to be a pleasant experience, right? Also, there's like videos that now you can uh, load up, you know, YouTube's been around for a long time. And so if you're converting those VHS tapes, they're only as good as the original. So it may be 640 by 480, uh, in pixel size dimensions, getting a little geeky here for some of our audience, maybe. But um, now, you know, when you look at um, standard def or high def, you're you're up into you know uh, over eight thousand pixels uh, in dimension. Um, so, yeah. But that's a that's a great point. Um, talk about culling your photos. We we were just talking about why save the originals, but yeah, don't, don't you think sometimes you got to just get rid of some. (laughs) Yeah. So this is the other side of the coin, the exception to the rule. Right. Um, And I used to do digital photo organizing. I now concentrate on print photo organizing and I work with another TPM partner who handles my digital, the digital aspects of jobs. Um, But culling is important um, because clients have hired me to do this for them in the past and I don't do it anymore. Um, And here's why. Um, Personally, I think that culling is the client's job because they're the experts. They know what's in what's really important to them and what their what their photos mean. You know, I could inadvertently discard a photo that is really important to them, you know, Um, and I have a a quick story um, from my vacation last week on Martha's Vineyard. we took a photo at an area of, of the vineyard called South Beach, and it's facing the Atlantic, it's the, on the Atlantic Ocean. And, you know, that beach is really quite beautiful. And there's like, there were very, it was a quiet day and the waves were very gentle and slow. We took a live photo of it because it was very like lulling, right? It was, it was almost hypnotic. And um, if, if, if a professional or somebody else was going through my photos, they would look at that and be like, eh, how many more photos do you need at the beach? Like, girl, you've got a ton of them. You don't need those. But 
shortly before we took that photo, um, my husband went into the water for a swim and I don't usually go in the ocean because it's too cold. You know, I like to go to the sound side where it's warmer and he just dipped in and, you know, swam around a little bit and then started coming out. And, um, as he was coming out, I saw something to his left and I was like, holy, that's a shark get out of the water. And I started screaming and waving my arms. And, and he's like, he looks over his shoulder. He's like, ah! and he like hightails it out of the water, just as the animal veers right towards where he was standing. He was like waist high. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. scary. Yeah. Pretty scary. Like I'm sure the shark was super disappointed and he didn't get to like, you know, they're really curious. They're like toddlers, right? They put everything in their mouths. Oh, is that good? Is that not good? But anyway, um, he got out of the water safely. But, you know, if you looked at that photo that we took, you would think like, oh, it's so tranquil. And you wouldn't know this crazy story behind it, right? So that's why I think clients really need to be responsible for culling their photos. And I mean, like photos that we would consider bad or blurry or not significant. Well, and that's the point, because, you know, when you review your own stuff, um, that one blurry photo of your grandmother, we may not realize that's the only one that you have of her. Absolutely. So, you know, albeit it's, you know, not as clear as you would like, but that's that's the only one that the family was able to keep for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a blog post recently on your website, um, which is past, past present pics. <laughs> And and so I'm going to spell that out, P-A-S-T-P-R-E-S-E-N-T-P-I-X.com, present picks, uh, past present picks.com. And it talked about dealing with duplicate photos. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's a lot that we can do with, with um, printed dupes, you know, and as far as digital dupes, that's pretty simple. You can just delete them or you can use an app called Good Ones which um, we learned about at conference. And I helped, um, I sort of beta tested it for Israel and his group, the founder, the founders of the, um, of the app. And it's really, it's very handy to use on your phone. Um, and, I'm, and I'm sure it'll, if you, if you upload scanned photos to it, it can also delete those once they're digitized. But ideally you're not double scanning photos, so you won't have duplicates. Um, but there's a lot you can do with with dupes. Like you can use Photo Sweeper also. If you have digital photos, you can run it through that. Um, that takes a learning curve, but it's, it's really effective. Um, print duplicates can be added to like non-archival photo albums if you want that old school feel. Um, you can send dupes to like family members, friends, relatives that may not have copies. You could... Um, you could make art with them. Prior to launching my business, I did a lot of mixed media art and I used photographs. Not surprisingly, in it, I have books and books and books. Um, you know, you can you can donate photos um, to, you know, historical societies um, as well as artifacts that you may have. Um, a recent example is um, my grandma had left me a lot of her photos and Part of her collection was stuff that I doesn't really have any resonance to me, like these old menus from the 1930s when she went to Cuba on the Moro Castle or one of those boats. The Moro Castle later sunk, but she was on an ocean liner. It was a big deal, 1930. Um, and I read in the New Yorker that Henry Voigt, um, who's who collects old menus, has a show at the Grolier Gallery, um, Grolier club here in New York City of old vintage menus. And I was like, oh, I wonder if you'd be interested in this. And sure enough, he was. So I gave it to him. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And so you can you can do things like that if you have anything that might be of historical or cultural significance. Um, and another photo my grandma gave me was a photo of her um a medal she won from I think it was a Theodore Vale medal for courage because she was a telephone operator when she was like 18 years old and she was in New Rockway, New Jersey and the um, Fort Denmark, I think, and I could be wrong about this, but Fort Denmark um, um, artillery place blew up in a thunderstorm and people didn't have social media then and nobody knew what was going on. And so she was working the phones, you know, for, for, you know, two days straight trying to like connect people with their families and let them know, you know, they're still alive. Like people didn't know what happened. And so there was that medal. And I was like, I don't, you know, I, I don't really need this. And so I donated it to the uh, Morristown Historical Society. So you can do things like that. 
That's Another awesome. fun thing. Yeah. I see uh, when I work with clients, printed photos, one of the things that I see a lot for duplicates are the packages of school photos, you know, every oh. year, first grade, second grade, yeah. third grade. Right. So normally, you know, we only scan one of them. Yes, we we the scan biggest, the right? largest one, obviously yep. to get, but I have had clients, we've done some really fun things. So one client, what we did was we took a wallet size. She happened to have these photos from preschool all the way through high school. She bought them all every year. She bought the package and they all come with those 10 or 15 wallet size photos that you used to give to grandma. And then you end up with like five at least left that go Mm -hmm. nowhere and sit in the envelopes. So we took one of each year and made it into a collage. And she sent that to school with her graduating senior. I have no idea if the senior actually appreciated that or not, but the <laughs> mom sure did. <laughs> so oh, wow. there's another idea for those. Cause I see that all the time. And, you know, whether you're not, you save those duplicates, I don't know, but they make great projects. If you are, you know, if you have a child who is or a wedding or a graduation or something, they can be really yeah. fun to line up and create some kind of project with. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to talk about vintage albums too, and storing negatives. All right. Yeah. Let's because, go. <laughs> um, if you have, because that reminded me of vintage albums, you know, if you have those old vintage albums, if you've inherited any in the, and I'm talking about stuff from the twenties, thirties that are like, so describe them the yeah, so, ones with the black felty paper, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the silver writing. Yep. Or or the little uh, photo corners. Mm -hmm. If if we were lucky, they used photo corners, right? Yep. Yep. Um, Those and and they're usually like tied together with like some sort of ribbon or a little bit of decorative string. Um, So those are pretty valuable. And I think to family history, they're important. And um, they should be treated with care and reverence. And we always immediately, when we get them from clients, we put them into archival plastic bags and we recommend our clients keep them in archival boxes, you know, surrounded by unbuffered um, archival tissue so they don't move around. But, and you can put more than one in a box too. Um, but but we we always scan them, you know, so we scan the covers if they want and, the, and each pages, and then you can isolate the image um, and they usually look so much better, you know, once you've camera scanned them, but it's, you know, cause the pictures are often tiny too. And that's one of the wonderful things about camera scanning is you can really get archival quality um, images from them. And so that's a great way to preserve them, but you do want to keep the original because they're amazing. They're, they're like somebody, it, it goes back to the idea of like, best archival practices and, and original order because somebody, maybe it was your grandma or an aunt or a mom who put those photos in that particular order for a particular reason. And for me, it's always important to keep them in that order. You know, I would never like tear up an old album and be like, well, there's a bunch of 1920s photos from this album and, and that album. And so let's just mix them all together. You know, you, you should, really should not do that. You can do it with your digital photos, like in a separate collection, but I think keeping those in the original order is really important. Um, yeah, a lot of people might not realize that once those are scanned, you can actually recreate that book yes, you can in a, it you know, and order it from a, a printer. I've done that. I have a series that I am working on. But one thing you said is you, you know, you put it in an archival uh, quality plastic sleeve. Do you put archival safe tissues between each of the pages? Because I, the pages are still rubbing against each other. So yeah. what is your suggestion there? That's exactly what I would do is put archival sleeves, um, I mean, archival paper in between each page. Um, I was doing that when I was creating art because my pages would stick together and I would use wax paper. So the same idea applies here. So yeah, that's, that's, that's important. And also like when you're archiving old photos, some of them will need like a support. So I use archival cardboard because some of them are really delicate. Um, and often if you take photos out of those magnetic albums, which I hate, um, and they have sticky backs on them. You can also use that archival tissue cut down to size on the back. So the photos don't stick together. Yep. yep. I learned the hard way. That's the a great idea. They're using my eraser, trying to get all the, the glue and residue off of them. I'm like, this is not a good use of my time. So, well, and that also speaks, uh, well for camera scanning, because if you, uh, try to use 
a uh, auto feeder scanner and it's got a sticky back, then you're potentially going to have residue on that scanner moving forward, which will be very difficult to clean. Yep. Um, so you mentioned something I want to go back to. I have a client currently um, that brought me several old albums that you speak of. And his guidance to me was to remove them from the photo uh, albums. And so prior to doing that, I take a camera scan of it in place so I can document the uh, album as it is. And then I begin to remove them from the album and then put them in archival quality storage boxes based on family and by date. Now, there is one that he gave me, which is a fantastic um, scrapbook of this person's young life. And so with that, they don't want me to take that apart. So those old scrapbooks are the ideal candidate for uh, finding an archival quality uh, box for long-term storage. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Marcy, what do you suggest? So we were just talking about these, you know, we're talking about these old vintage albums and often you see the black paper and it's somebody has written in extraordinarily neat handwriting. Literally everyone I've seen has the most amazing handwriting in silver pen. So I think that was the the style then. But mm-hmm. when you scan, um, if you are scanning the photographs separately, what are your suggestions for capturing all of the handwriting, either the handwriting itself, because it might be somebody that is important to you that wrote that or the messages in the handwriting, the stories. What is your suggestion for keeping those stories with the photos, especially the the printed photos? How do you, what do you suggest there? Well, with those albums, we'll typically talk to the client and ask them what they want because this can be an expensive process. Um, But I always recommend, you know, if you're going to do this, let's do it right one time so you don't have to pay for it again. Scan the entire page so you have the original context. And then we can go in and scan each image individually. And if and and if you can get the images out, if they use the paper corners and there's more information on the back, scan those. And so the the um make sure that everything travels together too. So you don't want the photo and the back getting tangled up with other photos and backs. So you make sure that they're together. And then you can add that information into the metadata of the digital scan and you can keyword it so you can find it easily. Um, but Sometimes, you know, sometimes even though the handwriting's neat, you might have a hard time reading it. So it might be worth using, you know, OCR or if, if you can't read it to 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 get the gist of the story that the, the author is is sharing and preserve yes. that story. That's that's really important. But there's, you know, there's so many ways to preserve the stories. And again, like I don't know what's important to a client. You know, I can guess, but you know, this story might be more important. That story, they might be like, I don't even know who that person is in that photo and why my mom gave kept that photo. It doesn't mean anything to us. Get yeah, right. there's, I think that's super, super important, especially, you know, if somebody took the time to write all of that information, Yeah, it, it's worth keeping. I've done that a few different ways. I've done it as, I usually end up doing it both as a caption in the metadata but another fun way to do that is actually to take a digital scan of the handwriting that goes with that photo and make a composite so that you have, say, the photo on the left and the writing on the right as yeah. one JPEG, which can be kind right. of fun. Yep, yep. I think we did that once um, and I thought it looked amazing. I love that. That's a great idea. I'm going to recommend that. <laughs> it, it is time consuming. So it is, just it is very time consuming. It is but, it is time consuming. Um, but uh it depends on the, the client and what, what they're after. Yeah, and what um, the budget is. Yeah. So let's talk about what metadata is for our audience. Cause again, we we uh we hope we've got your uh the newbies uh to this whole concept of photo management. And we also are probably speaking to uh, experienced photo managers. So metadata is the data about something, all right? And so in uh, photography, uh, IPTC came along, uh, which was the um, uh, the way that photographers kept track mm-hmm. of their professional images. Do mm-hmm. you, can you speak a little bit more about that, Marcy? Yeah. International Press Telecommunications Council. 
And yeah. I always get that mixed up with EXIF data. Yes. Yeah. So two different things. Two different um, things. So yes. So IPTC stands for International Press Telecommunications Council. And it is the metadata that has been standardized for, for image details such as title, description, and location. Now, uh, that metadata is used by media and press agencies to publish their photos and keep track of their ownership so that if it ends up in someone else's hands and perhaps maybe they didn't uh, reference it properly or they're trying to take credit for it, then hopefully that IPTC data um, will let them know who officially owns that image. Um, and so in many uh, pieces of software, sometimes this image uh, is um, associated also with the camera. The camera can take uh, uh, the creation date, um, which will help you fill in some of the other gaps about uh filling out the IPTC information. So you can merge the camera's uh, data that it creates, which is your XF. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and then uh, include that in your IPTC, but as a minimum, um, you know, it also is like, who's the creator of that. So if you're working on a family collection, I like to include the family name as, as the creator, um, you know, like the Wallach family in general is the creator of these images. And then the XF data stands for exchangeable image format. And this metadata stores the technical information about uh, how a photo was taken, such as the camera settings and date and time and, and often location as well, which comes in as GPS coordinates. So um, great. But the fun thing, the fun thing about it, and, and then we'll leave it because we're getting very technical. But the fun <laughs> thing about it is there's some of the fields such as keywords and captions which you can actually fill in in like you can do that in Finder, in Mac, you can do it in Explorer and Windows. And then most good photo organizing software allow you to add it. Apple does, you know, there's there's plenty out there, but that's where you can add things like, you know, Marcy on your picture you talked about before. <laughs> the picture of the ocean, you could add a caption that says, this is where my husband almost was eaten by a shark. Yes. And that's, and you can put it right in the caption and that way it's saved. So you're saving that story with Absolutely. your photo and not every photo needs a caption, nope. but some of them really, really, really do. If you don't want to forget yeah, what was and, going and on when you took it. It's, it's so important to save that, that information, especially if it's if it's um if it has a crazy story to it or even a sweet story and um so, another thing that we were sort of looking into doing before um my husband got a full-time job he's a videographer and a professional photographer and we were exploring the idea of creating legacy videos for clients um which is something that anybody can do themselves but obviously if you want professional quality to pass on years and years and years and you want to hire a pro to do it but that's a great way to keep stories alive. And once you have your, your photos scanned and preserved, you can start incorporating them into like mini documentaries. And, and um, again, Peter Bennett did a great class on that for us members, but you can, you know, anybody can do it, but you have to make sure you have all of that information, you know, and you can interview, you know, an elder in your family and intersperse that with old photos and old stories and have them elaborate on the meaning of, of, of certain events in their lives, you know, because they're not going to be around forever, but your video hopefully will be. So what are some good ways to, to keeping those stories with the printed photos? Well, I love Allison's idea of um, creating the composite. I think that's great. There's, there's no way that that information gets lost unless you delete the photo. Um, you know, like I said, the, the legacy story is, is legacy videos are great. Um, photo books are kind of my sweet spot. Um, when we do photo books for clients, I'm usually urging them to add some captions, you know, add some context because sometimes busy moms just want like, oh, here's a photo, here's a yearbook. And, you know, it's 1997 and this is, you know, my kid in that year and in 2007, whatever. And they don't really want any more information. And I always feel like, well, nobody's going to remember what was going on in that day. So you should add some stories and some ideas. Um, we just did a book for a client on her time in South Africa in, oh, I think it was 2005. And um, she was like, oh yeah, captions for sure. And <laughs> giving us like almost a novel, 
you know, I'm like, we got to cut it down a little bit, but it was great. I learned a lot. And now her grandchildren will be like, oh, wow, you did this, you did that. You know, you went to all these places and now the photos have all this context and the stories to go along. So I think photo books are great. And if you really want to go deep, you can hire a personal historian. If you are, um, if you have a family legacy that you really want to have preserved, we have some great personal historians in the photo managers. And those are mostly books with photos. I mean, they're very text heavy. Right. Like documenting. Yeah. yeah, Like documenting your uh, history, family history. Yeah. 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 Those are, those are amazing too, you know, and and they are not cheap, but they're heirlooms and they're priced. Another benefit I want to mention is if you're downsizing and you do have those uh, photos in albums that have Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe uh, I, I did, uh, one recently, a, a friend of mine, uh, had two, uh, they weren't too big, but they were pretty thick, uh, cause there were only two images, um, uh, per page, but, um, I took photos to document every single page of her album so I could get those captions. And then I removed them and camera scanned them. And I, I recreated her photo book. And so she was able to throw away the uh, the non-acid free archival quality photo albums and yep. put a nice thin photo book on her bookshelf. So oh. she really, plus I, I also was able to enhance several of her photos because back then, you know, 35 millimeter, uh, film and, and the graininess, uh, there were a few photos that were very important to her. And I was able to like sharpen some people's faces mm-hmm. and do some things that she thought, wow, this looks even better than it was before. And yep. And that's the point. Magic. That's a particularly good idea for if you have those old uh, albums with the magnetic pages and the plastic film, they are not doing your photos any favors. And I actually will often encourage people, why don't we recreate this as a photo book? We'll, We'll make the digital images. We'll recreate the book. And then you can save or not save. Unlike Marcy, I don't, I don't actually always say that you should save everything. And that to me is one example, because usually the photos in those are, are so degraded and the, mm-hmm. the magnetic pages just destroy them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's a, another good option for those. And they take up a lot less space once you make yeah. a digital photo album out of them yeah, or yeah, a digital yeah. to print photo album. Um, one thing we we forgot to talk about, and, and I want to bring it up because I think it is important is the, um, the, what, like, actual archival storage means. Um, that was my next question to oh, you. Oh, good. I read your mind. <laughs> um, because it is, it's really important. Um, and I, I can't even tell you how much I hate magnetic albums. Like they drive me crazy. They're worse. They're, they're almost as bad as nitrate negs. Like they might as well be exploding. You know, they're, they're awful. And I even had one when I was young and foolish. Well, um, and we one more one. thing, one more tip that people may not realize is your photo collection should be stored in the same living space that you live. Absolutely. They should, should not be in an attic. They nope. should not be in your garage. They should nope. not be in the shed or the barn. Nope. Um, nope. And so that can also expedite its demise. Yes. Uh, basements, unless they're finished basements. Basements are not good either. Um, let's go back, Marcy. So what type of archival storage? What are you talking about? Like, where do you where do you buy it? What does it look like? What are you looking for when you're purchasing Mm it? Right. Um, So all all archival storage options, um, that word gets thrown thrown around a lot, um, and they're not created equal. So like the terms photo safe and acid free, um, we hear a lot, but you don't really know what they mean because they, they're meaningless in and of themselves. Um, what we really want to look for, um, us professionals, as well as people who are not pros and want to preserve their collections, are things that have the PAT stamp on them. They're PAT approved, and PAT stands for the Photographic Activity Test, and items with a stamp are the ones to buy. Um, Archival Methods is a seller, Gaylord Archival, um, B&H sells some of them. Um, and the ideal strategy is to put each photo, neg, slide from a particular collection in their own enclosures to reduce the abrasive contact and chemical interactions between the items. Um, so for example, like negatives and their paper prints, 
need to be kept separately. I know a lot of us will keep them together. I don't think that's a good idea because negatives can release gases that affect the prints. So it's important to store the negs and the prints in separate boxes and keep them in another location. That was eye-opening to me when I heard you say that because I, I went back and listened to your your uh, uh, presentation with B&H Photos mm-hmm. at one of their events. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I have not been doing that because my thought was to keep the originals together. Right. Well, you have, I know it's a pain in the butt, but you have to, you know, just cross-reference them. We did that at the archive and I'm like, I don't see why we would do that practice with people's personal photos as well. Like that's their archive. Um, You just want to make sure you've labeled, you know, what goes with what you have a cross-reference and you're not keeping them in those places you're not supposed to be keeping them. Nice. So many tips. So Marcy. We have one final question for you. Okay. And this is a question that we want to ask all of our guests, which is what is the strangest photo in your (laughs) personal collection? (laughs) The strangest photo. Um, Well, let me tell you that I don't have a lot of photos personally, because um, like you, Allison, I, I, I don't have a lot of photos of myself growing up. So my collection is very small. I practice what I preach in a way. I, I keep my collection down to like, I have about 5,000 photos total. Um, so that makes finding the strangest photo pretty easy. And I would say the strangest one is, um, it's probably actually a digital photo. And it's, um, it's a photo that I made my husband take because I love to art direct him since he's a better photographer than I am. And um, we were on our back deck um, in the late summer, a couple of years ago, and we have orb weavers. Do you know what they are? They're spiders yep. and um, they're magnificent. We have a, um, you know, a, a light post and a, and a, and a wooden railing. And this orb weaver had decided to set up her, um, her web right there. And it was just like, oh my, it was huge, it's huge web and a pretty, you know, spider, probably the size of your palm, you know, with her legs all outstretched. And um, she's just hanging out in the center right? Like waiting for lunch or dinner. And I said, Susan oh looks kind of freaked out over here. <laughs> you know, the the listeners will only hear this, but I'm looking at Susan on this Zoom and she looks oh, like you... she's about to crawl under her desk. I'll show you. You want to see the photo? <laughs> it's amazing. I don't think she does. All right. Well, well no, you, you can share it. Well, so Marcy, okay. you've got this, this picture of a spider. But it's or... cool because, because he, Chris used the flash on it. And so the background is pitch black. And the spider and its web are white. So it almost looks like a graphic print. Like it doesn't even look real, even though we know it's real. And that's, you know, and I'm a old goth girl at heart. So I'm like, ooh, that's really cool. Oh my um, God. But that is super, super cool. And I love that question because I think we're going to get, this is only podcast number three, but I think we're just going to get such fun stories mm-hmm. that come out of that that particular question, because sure. again, it's a photo. This photo actually sounds quite artistic and one that most people would actually enjoy. Um, but sometimes those strangest photos are things that going back to what you said earlier about calling out your photos and not knowing, we not knowing what might be important to somebody Yes. Um, because the photos that have meaning are, are not always obvious. And clearly that photo of yours, Marcy, has incredible meaning for you. And would send Susan running to the beach or wherever. Oh, that is. So Marcy is now showing us this yeah. gorgeous photo. It really is quite artistic. Yeah. And I'm sorry our listeners cannot organic. see it, but it's it's absolutely beautiful. If you like spiders. If you like spiders. I like yeah. spiders. Yeah. I spent a year in Australia. I like spiders. They're big there too. But anyway, Marcy... Thank you so much for coming on today. And I've learned a ton. I think all our listeners will learn quite a bit as well. And it's just such a pleasure talking to you. You have such great ideas and such knowledge. Oh, and and your you. background with the, the archive, uh, uh, you know, the Bettman archive and uh, yeah, your passion for archiving things is, is inspiring. And oh. I know you're my go-to when I have questions like that. So Thanks, Susan. This has been really wonderful. And I hope your listeners get get something out of it. You know, it's it's important to save your stuff. It really is. And save your photos. Save your photos month is coming up. Yes. yes. And that, that is another plug for September. The photo managers will be uh, doing a lot of publicity around Save Your Photos Month. So if you'd like to learn more, we'll provide a link on our 
our uh, podcast website for you to click on. And it's free. Uh, the whole month, uh, the photo managers put together a variety of different uh, training videos. And um, as they get released, there's no, no deadline. Uh, but anywhere between September and the end of October, you'll be able to uh, watch them at your leisure and uh, learn the different techniques and tips that uh, we all have uh, strived to, to, to learn and, and provide to our clients. Yes. Excellent. Thank you both so much. This has been a real pleasure. And Thank right you, back Marcy. at you. So that was Marcy Brennan. And I have to say, I love talking to Marcy. I learn something new literally every time I sit down with her. So I was really excited to get her on our show. Um, Susan, don't you think is, did you learn something new today? I did. I, um, I gravitated to Marcy uh, early on when the photo manager, when I joined the photo managers and we would have different uh, member uh, meetings and groups. And sometimes they open it up and you can go sit at anybody's table and talk with them. And that's where I uh, really uh, realized how knowledgeable she is in, you know, physical uh, sorting and organizing and her experience at the Bateman um, or Bettman archive still just amazes me. I would love to have just been a fly on the wall uh, to learn what goes on behind those walls. So uh, having her share that experience with us was just great. And so also her, the collections that she was able to look at firsthand, like the photograph of Marilyn Monroe with her dress in the air. Amazing. Yes. I think many of us have those iconic photos in our in our memories of seeing them printed maybe in the life magazine or something that was my favorite magazine growing up and that's where a lot of those um photos were published early on so she talked about archival quality boxes and storage items but there were a couple of things we wanted to also mention about uh getting the right archival tools when you're doing this project for yourself Allison, what were some of the ones that you wanted to share? Yeah. So the first one, so we talked a bit about keeping the story with the photo. And sometimes that means if you have a bunch of photos and you are, say, bringing them to grandma's house because you want to show grandma and she's going to tell you about these stories, sometimes people will write on the back of the photo to keep that together. And just wanted to mention, don't use your ballpoint pen. You know, if you're going to do this, go out and get an actual archival pen. A good one is made by Stabilo, S-T-A-B-I-L-O. And that is, a, it's actually a pencil that comes in different colors. And you can get that and write on the backs of the photos. And it won't, it won't hurt the photo at all. There's no acid in the pen. Just don't write too hard. But that way you can keep it. You can keep the story with the photo. Usually dates are a good thing to write on the back of the photo or who is in the picture, that kind of thing. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention is I often get printed photos from clients and they do a little bit of organizing before they hand them to me, which is great. But too often they take sticky notes, just the little sticky note pad and they write what this group of photos is and they take that sticky note and stick it right on the front of the photo. And they don't realize when they do that, that the sticky residue from those notes can transfer onto the photo. And I've actually had to spend some time cleaning that off. And the longer that sits, the more destructive it can be. So if you are going to do that, then I suggest taking something more like an index card, it doesn't have to be archival safe, but writing what you want on the index card and just sticking that group of photos in a Ziploc bag. Because for a little while, a Ziploc bag won't hurt it, but that sticky note really will. So avoid the sticky notes. Um, Susan, I bet you have some more we can add here. Yeah, just one more I wanted to point out, which is very handy. If you're wondering if the photo album that you've got your precious photos in is acid-free, you can test it with a Lineco pH testing pen. Uh, so that's L-I-N-C-O and then pH testing pen for paper and or paper board products. And so what will happen is when you, and of course you don't want to test your, your photo, you want to test the paper that the photos are 
touching. The back of the photo is is touching paper like those old magnetic sticky albums are like the worst. And 99% of those are most likely uh, not acid free. They, they have a lot of acid in there. So by testing these uh, albums, you can see whether or not you really want to leave them in there. Uh, a clear or yellow line means it's bad. If purple line shows up, when you uh, use the pen on the paper, that means it is archival quality. So that's a visual way to test uh, your old family photo albums. You can test all of your own stuff and then bring it over to a friend's house and use it like a party trick. You can amaze everyone. <laughs> there you go. All right, Allison, today's been great. And um, we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. Uh, we appreciate uh, all the follows and share our podcast with others that you may know um, that uh, could benefit from our podcast episodes here. And we will catch you next time. Yeah. Have a great day, Susan. Thanks. You too. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit InsidePhotoOrganizing.com, where we will share the links and resources that we talk about during our show. Also, we'd love to hear your questions, so please send them to us through our website. We'll try and answer your questions on a future episode. That's it for our show today. Remember, you can find this episode on all of your favorite podcast apps. Be sure to click follow so you can stay up to date with the latest in photo organizing. We'll catch you next month. <laughs>